Monday, Tevaviar Tafshin, Ayin Hay, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network. Great Ariel Horowitz singing a uh, composition of his mother's. His mother was Naomi Shemer, and she wrote the song Al Naharot Bavel about young men who leave Israel after their army service and how they sit in the different cities of the Galut in New York or in Europe and um, remember Zion and. It's basically a song that's calling them to come back home. So Naomi Shemer, with a little help from Don McLean, he is embedded in that song somewhat. 
My name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome, one and all, to the Israel Show. We are here every Monday live, immediately following JM in the AM on the Nachum Siegel Network. That's 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time. And we are here to bring you news, information, inspiration, and great music from Israel. Hence the name, The Israel Show. It is, uh, just in case you're tuned in, on Monday to ER, that means Tetvav ER. Today's the 30th day in the canting of the Omer. So if you forgot, this is a reminder, you can still get in. Lots of news today, and we're going to cover a lot of it. Um, just breaking, literally over the last few minutes, Israeli Foreign Minister and Head of the Israel Beitenu Party, Avigdor Lieberman, announced in a dramatic news conference that he is resigning from the foreign ministry and he will not join the coalition that Benjamin Netanyahu is trying to put together, the government that he's trying to form. And he explained why. We're going to go into all of that. We'll tell you the numbers and try and figure out what next. Thursday's the deadline by which time the Prime Minister has to uh, come to the President and say, either I have a government or I need more time. He's already come for an extension once. It'll be interesting if he comes a second time, and then it's interesting to see if the President gives him the extension or says, well, maybe I should give the job to somebody else. That would be Mr. Herzog in this case, although he he has less of a chance, it would seem. Um, we'll do that after the next song, Hayadata et Taderch Ephraim Shamir, beautiful song. Recently heard it played uh, by Ephraim Shamir as part of an interview that he did on uh, Arutz Esrim Channel 20 in Israel. An interview with um, <laughs> interview with uh, his name escapes me right now, but it'll come back to me any second. Um, Shuli Rand, thank you. An uh, interview with Shuli Rand. Uh, a really touching, nice interview. I learned a lot about Ephraim Shamir. I didn't realize he was born in Siberia. Um, spent part of his uh, childhood there. Then, then his family moved to Poland. And he grew up in Poland and came to Israel as a teenager. Uh, very interesting. Ephraim Shamir is one of the uh, members of Pugi, the, 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 probably the classical Israeli um, rock or pop band of all times. And uh, I never, ever realized that he grew up in Siberia and in Poland, came to Israel at a later age. Uh, it was a fascinating conversation also because Shuli Rand, who was a very well-known actor in Israel, uh, has become uh, a Choser B'Tshuva, a Breslov Hasid. And the interaction between Ephraim Shamir, who grew up in a very anti-religious home, and I don't know if he would be called anti-religious, but he, he I, I believe he considers himself an atheist. And truly, Ran, sitting there interviewing him with the big hat, with the long beard and the kapota, but you could see beneath all the outside trappings that two Jews were sitting there and connecting. And it was really, really special. And I believe that that's happening a lot in Israel. Um, that Jews of all different uh, varieties are connecting. They just have to be open to it. Anyway, that was a long introduction to Ephraim Shamir, who wrote the song Hayadat et Taderach. It's, 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 a, it's a song which he wrote, Ephraim Shamir, about his, um, his girlfriend, you know, the way to my home and so forth. And uh, Shuliran says uh, says to Ephraim Shamir, it, it, it's, it's a song about returning to God. You know, do you know the way home to God, or does God know the way home to you, and so forth. It's very interesting how he was able to um, totally shift it, the, the focus of the song, and, and look at it in, in a different light. Here it is. Hayadate Taderech. Frank Shamir, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You, you and you are all tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Welcome back to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thank you so much for joining us, making us a part of your day. Later on in the show, we will tell you about the rioting in Tel Aviv. We'll tell you about the, we'll give you an update about Nepal, Kathmandu, the Israelis, the rescue, and everything that was, uh, that took place there. Uh, now we're going to deal with the uh, breaking news of Victor Lieberman, the head of the uh, Israel Beitenu party, in a rather dramatic news conference just a short while ago, announced that he's not joining the coalition of Benjamin Netanyahu. He is resigning his post as foreign minister, and he's going to the opposition. This is a shocker quite frankly. And now we have to redo the mathematics. Benjamin Netanyahu needs a majority of Knesset members to raise their hand in support of his government in order to be able to govern the state of Israel. The majority is 61. There are 120 seats in the Knesset. And um, Likud in the last election, got 30 seats. Moshe Kachalon, with his new party, got 10. That's 40. Agudath Israel, they got 6. So we're at 36. Kachalon and the Agudah already signed agreements with the Likud. Still has a way to go. And who are the natural partners? Well, there's the Ba'id HaYehudin, Aftali Bennett's party. They promised that they would go. They promised before the elections, of course, they didn't foresee the outcome. They promised they would go with Netanyahu. They have eight seats. And Shas, and although they may not say so, they're dying to come into the coalition. <laughs> they they spent too much time for their taste in the opposition during the uh, previous government. So Bennett has eight and Shas has six. So that's 15. Well, if you put them all together without Lieberman, he has exactly 61. It's doable, but quite frankly, it's not manageable, and it's not sustainable. It basically means any one Knesset member, the weakest link in any of the 61, can be bought off pretty easily by some other party. Take his mandate with him, take his seat, so to speak, with him that he can do by law and bring down the government. 
And and I don't think Benjamin Netanyahu will want to do that. So what are the options? Well, that's not a good option, but it's one. Benjamin Netanyahu can say, look, I have 61, I have a majority, and I'll hold open the spots for a Vigdor Lieberman and his party. I'll hold open the ministries, the goodies, the goodie bags. And by doing that, he basically shows them, look, I can go without you. They play uh, who blinked first, right? Netanyahu will say, I can go on without you. Lieberman, who really would not, nobody does well in, in, in the opposition because you have no power and you have no way of uh, of keeping your voters. Isn't it? You can't do much. When you're in the government, you have power base, you have ministries, you have jobs, you have contracts you could give out, you can show the uh, through the media that you're doing things, that you're accomplishing things for your voters. When you're in the opposition, there's very little you can do. And so most parties know that and realize that the longer to stay in opposition, the uh, higher the possibility is that they won't make it through the next session and come next elections, they're gone. For example, yet your Lapid has a tremendous challenge of staying in the opposition with his um, with his 11 seats because it's going to be hard for him to stay in the headlines, and he's good at staying in the headlines. Come next election, people are going to forget about it. Well, what did you do? Nothing. And then, as we have said many times, yet another one of these flesh-in-the-pan parties go go away. Like Kadima before it, Shinui before it, Dash before it, Somet before it, etc. Lieberman, interestingly, attacked Netanyahu from the right. He said that this government that Netanyahu is forming, based on the agreements that they have already signed with the Aguda and with Kahlon, is a government that's too far to the left. It's a government that will not be building, according to Avigdor Lieberman, will not be building over the quote-unquote green line in Yehudan Shomron. And he says, in fact, that the previous government did not build in areas that they should have been building, in areas that are in the consensus and he even mentioned the agreement of uh, George W. Bush with Ariel Sharon, in which, it's a written, by the way, it's a written letter, but it's totally ignored by pretty much uh, everybody, especially in the American administration currently. Written letter says that Israel has a right to build in those blocks of settlements, Gush Etzion, Dumim, and so forth, which everybody agrees will remain part of the state of Israel, even those who think that we should split the state of Israel into two two states believe that these areas will remain in Israel. So Lieberman says, well, Netanyahu government didn't didn't build there. I don't know where he was for the last year and a half when he was a foreign minister, why he waited till now. He also spoke about the fact that in the agreement, the uh, schools, the yeshivas in the Haredi community that do not teach the core the core uh, curriculum, meaning uh, a certain level of math and English, will now continue to get government aid, something that was stopped in the previous government, which was um, a lot of the influence of Yair Lapid and uh, Shai Piron saying that if a school wants to bring up children without having the basic knowledge of math and English, which they will need in order to make a parnasa, in order to make a livelihood, they're more than welcome to continue, but the government is not going to support them. This is one of the big things that they're good at. The other is that they, they've returned uh, funding to the yeshivas who have students from outside of the country. And so the Israeli government is actually subsidizing yeshivas for students that come from America. So some yeshivas in Yerushalayim, for example, where there are hundreds and hundreds, uh, probably thousands of young Americans who come um, either just before they get married, just after they get married, to learn there, the government of Israel uh, is subsidizing you, believe it or not. It's shocking, but true. And uh, and so Victor Lieberman said, I don't want to be part of this. He spoke about other laws that the government is, uh, that, that he wanted to pass and that the government is going to overturn. One of them has to do with um, conversions and, and converting Jews, Giyur, converting Jews, I'm sorry, converting to Judaism. Giyur and other things. And so, yes, here he was, Victor Lieberman, 
who you never know where on the map he is. He was attacking the prime minister from the right, saying, I'm out, I'm out of the picture, I'm not going to be foreign minister, and um, I'm not joining the coalition. Well, what happens? It, it could be that if the whole thing blows up, the, the prime minister goes to Herzog, who would love to join him in a government, they sat together in a government before, and says, hey, let's, the two of us, we don't need anybody else. That's not true, they need somebody else, but they'll find, because between the Likud and the Labor Party, they have 54 votes, so they're only, you know, let's say another 10 votes, they can easily get it from Kahlon. They'd have 64 and could start and others will join. It's like the train, you know, as long as the train is at the station and you know you have time, so you'll continue to stand at the station, maybe um, having a drink, having a conversation. The minute you see this train starting to pull out, you start running because you don't want to miss the train. That, that's the way these things work, and Netanyahu knows it, and the other parties know it. He has, once he signs with a few, then the train, you, you hear the rumblings of the engine of the train already starting, and you, any minute he's going to announce a, a government, and uh-oh, we're going to miss the train, we better hurry up and sign. So that's the po- play of the politics that is taking place right now in Israel. Very interesting. We'll continue to watch it, obviously. We'll post on our Facebook page where appropriate the news. Our Facebook page is, is doing very well. Thanks to all of you. We've, uh, uh, we, we hit, last week we had hit, just hit 300 likes. Now we're at 306. And I thank everybody for, um, participating and reading and commenting, liking. We greatly appreciate it. It's very important for us to keep the momentum on Facebook going. Um, it's facebook.com slash the Israel show, facebook.com slash the Israel show, and we'll post, uh, during the week as, uh, is necessary. Of course, later on today, we'll post links to the songs that we've played, YouTube videos of the songs that we played during the show, and you can listen to them at your leisure. They are slow and inspirational songs as appropriate for Sifirata Omer. As Nachum mentioned earlier, I'll be filling in for him tomorrow on Jamie the Aim, that is on Tuesday, Tetzayniyar, the 5th of May. You're more than welcome to, uh, and you're encouraged to tune in and um, say hi. There over at Jam and the Aim. We're going to go to more music. Ishai Rebo, the Bob of Migdash Melech tune. That is uh, way, way slow and inspiring. It's slow and way inspiring. I should say it that way. Ishai Rebo, Migdash Melech here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Wangarn. You are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network.
The great Yishai Rebo, the up-and-coming new star in Israel, with Mikdash Melech. And there's a great story that goes with that song, and uh, as we post later, I believe we have two links for that song. One is Yishai Rebo singing it, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me there, and the other is somebody else singing, um, I don't remember who the group is, but they tell the story in Hebrew, before they sing the song, it's a story that has a, uh, it's a Holocaust-related story, um, was written up by Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau in his book, and uh, they tell the beautiful story that goes with the song. We'll share it with you on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash to Israel show. Well, black citizens are rioting in the streets against perceived racial discrimination by police. Well, that describes the news in Baltimore. Yeah, but not just. We're talking about Tel Aviv. The protests by young Ethiopian Jews against racial discrimination. They, I'll say they're perceived racial discrimination, but we'll discuss it in a moment. Their demonstrations, their protests, which started out as a very peaceful uh, protest, got out of hand yesterday. Last night in Israel, ended up leading to violence, clashes between the police and uh, the protesters. Not anything nearly, thank God, as bad as Baltimore. But uh, in Israel, that was unheard of. Protests, yes. Violence, no. So, Baltimore and Tel Aviv, let's look at the similarities, let's look at the differences. In both cases, these are protests against racial discrimination. It's sad to say, but, although I am not personally aware, because I don't live in Israel, I'm not part of the society there on a regular basis, from everything I read, the discrimination in Israel against the Ethiopians is not just perceived, it is real. It may not be as premeditated as the Ethiopian Jewish community believes. But from all reports that I've seen, they live in poverty, in, mainly in small communities of their own I'll say ghettos, obviously, but you know what I mean, in in small closed communities. Um, They're poor. The older generation, as, as happened with all the olim over the generations, the first group that comes, the parents, are not able to pick up the language. They're not able really to get at work. They're, they're already so, if they're coming to the country in their 50s, surely in their 60s and their 70s, they're not, they're not able to acclimate themselves fast enough. Then the kids do. And the children end up being able to be the, 
let's say we're the parents in the home and the family, and that breaks down a lot of the family structure. The parents are dependent on the children, and uh, rather than the other way around. And there's also a, a, just a, a major cultural chasm, obviously. The uh, Ethiopian Jewish community has not been in Israel long enough to understand how the system works and how they get they get dealt with, how how they get attention. By the way, there are a few Ethiopian Knesset members who, who try to work with the community, that's for sure. And another thing that's important to remember is that the Ethiopian Jewish community all serve in the army in in really um I would say in very high percentages and in combat units, mainly in combat units. Uh, Last night at the protests, the um, news media was there, the cameras were there, and this protest was taking place live, and everybody, the Israelis were watching it live on TV. And the reporter was going around to the different uh, people and interviewing them, you know, the typical man on the street. What do you think? What do you think? And all of them said... We served in the army. I served in uh, Tzanchanim. I served in Palsar Givati. I served in whatever. And all very important combat units. And they say, we gave our part and we want to be able to be considered and to be given our right and due as citizens of the country just like everybody else. There's a lot of work to be done, there's no question. And the difference, I think, between Baltimore and Tel Aviv, are there are a few. One is, I do not believe that Israel will stand for the type of riots that took place in Baltimore. It will not reach that level. Even the level that it reached yesterday, which was violent, but much subdued, on a much lower flame than the riots we've seen here in America, the race riots. Even that in Israel was already making a tremendous impact of, no, 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 we don't do that. No, We don't have a civil war in Israel. So I don't think it'll escalate as much as it did here. It, it, it won't work. The people won't accept it. On some level, if you think about it, it's like terrorism. When you have rioting in Baltimore... And, and the uh, mayor and the police sort of back off and and um, end up giving the rioters what they want. It's it, in, in a way, you're giving into terrorism. And I think most Israelis don't want to see themselves in that way of, okay, you know, we're, we're giving in to the demands and so forth. There's a feeling in Israel that these are our brothers. Even if there is a racial divide, I think most Israelis feel very strongly that these are our brothers and sisters. Yes, they serve together with us in the army. Yes, they're ready to put their life on the line. And yes, they're a tribe that that was lost to the Jewish people for thousands of years. If you think about it in historic perspective, it's an amazing thing that the state of Israel went to Ethiopia and brought the Jewish people out to the land of Israel. It's 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 messianic uh, uh, story. So I think these are some of the differences, and it has to be said they are the Ethiopian Jews in Israel are literally the weak, the poor. The, help, the helpless segments in the population. And this is exactly what the Nevi'im were speaking about. This is the theme that repeats itself over and over in Tanakh. The importance of our Jewish society practicing social justice. That God listens to those who are weak, to those who are poor, to those who have no power amongst the powerful. Those who don't have protectia. And the Nevi'im tell us over and over, that's our first job in the community. 
A firm community's first job is social justice, is caring for those who are weak and can't care for themselves, for those who don't have a voice, giving them a voice. That is the first job of the firm community, yes. It's funny how this is all taking place at the same time that a coalition agreement is being signed with the Aguda and Shas and others who are asking for government help for their people. That's the way it works in democracy. And yet, the Nevi'im didn't seem to believe in that system. we got to take care of everybody. we got to take care of all the poor and all the weak, all the downtrodden, and that's who God listens to. We will uh, keep covering this story of the Ethiopian protests and what will happen. The Prime Minister already met with um, the uh, young soldier who was the catalyst for this whole thing. He was walking down the street when uh, in Tel Aviv when he was uh, asked, I'm sorry, in Hulon, was asked by uh, the police there not to enter that street because they were doing something there. He continued to walk and then the police attacked him, literally attacked him and then arrested him, accused of attacking an officer. And had nothing else happened, he would have been in prison probably. Nobody would have believed him. He said, no, no, I didn't attack the officer, they attacked me. Well, luckily for him, a day or two later, a security cam video came out showing that he was right, showing the police and another person pummeling him, beating him down to the ground. And he did not fight back until he was really in, in, in a bad state there, fighting back against the attackers, who were the police in this case. So that's the catalyst for this whole situation. Thank God that we have those security cameras in different places that that a, a situation like this can be rectified. Because if you think about it, yes, he would end up in prison probably because they wouldn't believe him over the words of a uh, police officer. Yes, it seems that in too many democratic countries, there are too many corrupt policemen. But I'm sure there are more more uncorrupt policemen, non-corrupt policemen, and we are very thankful for that. My name is Mayor Wangart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network, another Naomi Shemer song. This one is usually sung uh, to a quick tune, and we're going to give you the Sphira version. This is a slow and inspirational tune, of uh, Zamar No Dead by the Ensemble Choral. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
of Naomi Shemer's classic. That's the slow and inspirational version of it here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show, the Nachum Siegel Network. How appropriate it is that we are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. The Israel Show is sponsored by the organization who has put Israel at the head of the agenda of Jews in the United States, at the top of the list, encouraging everybody to consider making Aliyah. That's what it's come to be known as. Making Aliyah. Encouraging everybody to make Aliyah. Helping everybody make Aliyah. And then supporting all of those who have made Aliyah. That is their goal and they fulfill it beautifully. They provide financial aid to those who need it. They help you with the government bureaucracy to help you get through it easily, as easily as possible. They help you find communities that are appropriate for you. They just do everything to make each individual's aliyah as successful as possible. And I think that they have come at the right time and made aliyah in, which I don't think it ever was, as in for Jews in America. For detailed information, visit their website, www.nbn.org.il. The Israel Show is proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. We have one more topic we want to speak about, and that's the situation in Nepal. I'll give you an update. We spoke about it last week, but before, is one more um, PS, one more note, addendum to the story that we just spoke about. As I was looking uh, on the Israeli news sites during the song, there's a report about how the world, the world media is reporting the protests in Tel Aviv and in Yerushalayim by the Ethiopian Jews. And, of course, the enemies of Israel are doing a wonderful job as portraying it as, you see that? They're a racist country. You see that? They're racist against Arabs. They're racist against blacks. Which is so crazy. Because quite frankly, while there are obviously issues and are obviously problems, I I do not think that Israel is a racist country. And I think that people, at least most people, see the Ethiopian community as a part of the Jewish community. I've seen it over the last few days how people in leadership positions have said, made it very clear, these are our brothers and sisters, and we must help them and work with them in order to make their life as good as ours is. 
not let them languish. Not only that, where were all these media outlets when Israel rescued these thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of Jews from Ethiopia and brought them to Israel and helped them and educated the younger generation and so forth. You would have imagined that at that time, the media would would come and say, and, and by the way, and the leadership of the black community would come and say, bravo to you. But no, it doesn't matter, because it's not really about the issue. It's not really about black and white. The black leadership in America didn't applaud Israel and, and, and give out, you know, honor the state of Israel at, at, at every dinner and at every church because it was Jews. It wasn't really blacks, not our blacks. So that is something that we have to think about as well. Let's see, do we go to a, uh, we go to a short song or... Um, I don't know if we have enough time. All right, we'll do a quick quick one, and then hopefully we'll have enough time to uh, give you the Nepal update and, and close out the show. This is Idan Reichel with Min'i Kolech. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. וכל חלום הוא למורה, עתי עזת אוזנך לשקט, כל חסד רחמים עוד יעלה, הנה הוא בא. כי בשבילו נפשך נשמרת, הרי קרבה היא השעה. עד ששדור בזרועותייך יפול בסוף הדרך, כשישובו לגבולה. Idan Reichel with Min Ikolech Mibechi, Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'll be filling in for Nachum tomorrow at Jamin the AM. Hope you join us. Last week we um, spoke at length about the situation in Nepal, the area of Kathmandu and other places in Nepal where a major earthquake struck and the fact that uh, hundreds of Israelis were in that area and usually are for various reasons. And uh, if you'd like to hear more details, you can just go to the um, archives on nachamsegel.com for the Israel Show and listen to the beginning of last week's program. Well, amazingly... All the Israelis that were in Nepal that we know about, and I, I think we know about all of them because their relatives were, uh, in one way or the other, were aware of their being there and 
informed the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the State of Israel. All were found. One, unfortunately, was dead. All the rest were living and were brought back to Israel. And what does this tell us? What does this show us about the State of Israel? You know, we're always critical about it, and there's a lot to be critical of. But at the end of the day, when when an Israeli is in trouble, when a Jew is in trouble, the State of Israel goes to get them. It's just that simple. It was so in Entebbe. It was so in Ethiopia, as we've spoken about just recently. And it was so in Nepal. The government had El Al send two jumbo jets. The army, the home front division of the army sent big transport jets. They sent from Israel to Nepal crews of medics. They set up field hospitals for the wounded, not only for the Jews, not only for the Israelis, but for the local population who were suffering terribly. It's a very poor third world country, Nepal. And so when an earthquake like that hits, it makes a bad situation worse. This is a country that even in good times does not have clean water, does not have regular supply of electricity on a regular basis. Is a very, very poor third world country and now when an earthquake hits, the construction is obviously not strong and so the, the damage is greater than it would be if it would hit somewhere else in, 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 the, in the West. Israel sent aid, field hospitals, doctors, volunteers and crews to help find all the Israelis that were in Nepal a huge part of this was done together with the Chabad house, the Beit Chabad in Kathmandu, which is famous in Israel. They had a TV series about it, uh, a fictional TV series uh, about called Kathmandu, about um, the Chabad house there. They they always do amazing work, and they were right on the spot, very involved in all the rescue efforts and uh, making sure that uh, they found every single person that Israeli that was missing, um, the both through El Al planes and the other aircraft, and those also of the insurance companies and others, all of the uh, Israelis were flown back. One was not found or heard from. His name was Or Asraf, and his family was pleading not that he should not be forgotten, because we know how, how this is. There's one person left, and the news cycle goes on. Now we're speaking about the Ethiopians, and Avigdor Lieberman, and, and Or Asraf might, God forbid, be forgotten. And the family went over to Nepal and others, and his army buddies, his army buddies went to Nepal to help look for him. Or Asraf fought during the summer in Operation Protective Edge in Suketan. He was a soldier in that horrific battle in Saja'iya where uh, so many uh, Israeli soldiers were killed. And he made it. But two of his very close friends were killed in that battle. And one of the things that he was doing in Nepal, where he was, like many of the other young Israelis that come out of the army, he always was relaying back to the families of these two other soldiers how he's thinking of them and has them in mind as they were supposed to, I guess, travel together. And so his army buddies and others from Israel went looking for him in in this very difficult terrain, this hills. I mean, it's the area, general area, where the Everest is and other, the Himalayas and other mountains. Um, and they had re- they had helicopters, and they just kept going over different areas to look for them. This took uh, a long days and days and days of searching and searching and searching, um, trekking through freezing cold areas and un- uncovering any anything that might be um, hiding uh, a piece of evidence. And then they came upon a pair of pants, and in the pair of pants there was uh, a little uh, notebook with notes in Hebrew, and they knew that they were close and it wouldn't seem that he survived. Um, not, not 
not too long after that they found his body, but his body was way down in a ravine that was very difficult and, and very dangerous to get to. And yet, of course, they weren't going to leave him there. So his friends and the rescue teams, they built some sort of a makeshift contraption which they were able to lower into this ravine and get the body on a like a makeshift stretcher and bring it up. And then they walked with the body for, I don't know exactly how long, but I understand it was quite a long walk. There was no other transportation. They walked carrying the body for miles and miles to the closest place of civilization where they could contact people and, and ultimately with a helicopter get the body out and accompany him to uh, his parents who were waiting in Kathmandu and then eventually to Israel. So we remember him today, or Asraf, a, uh, a soldier who, uh, who was also a Jewish hero. He didn't die in battle, but um, he was ready to give his life for the state of Israel. Died in this freak accident, just like Tamara Yell, unfortunately. And we salute the Israelis, Beit Chabad, his friends, and all those who just decided they're not going to give up. They're not forsaking anybody. Wherever you are, we are going to come and get you. And that's one of the beauties of having a Jewish state. You know that there is someone who cares about you and will not let you die. We're going to end off with uh, the Parvarim and Chavar Alberstein singing Hitchragut Imyesh Esham, beautiful lullaby. Uh, one of my favorites for many years. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Continue to um, like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network right after the Israel Show in just a few minutes. Encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the rest of the day, great Sphera format, Monday Music Marathon. I'll be filling in for Nachum tomorrow on Tuesday at JM and the AM. Hope you'll join us. And until next Monday, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Oh, <laughs>